Good morning. I'm Father McShane, and I've been asked to be the guest host for Fordham Conversations. And I must tell you, uh, I was very honored to be asked to do this today because it gives me the opportunity to have a long conversation with a dear friend of mine, one of the most respected and loved members of the Fordham community, John Fearford, who had, as many of you know, a legendary run of 20 years as the Dean of Fordham Law School. And after many years of people asking him to put his thoughts down on paper in the form of an autobiography, he has finally done so. And the autobiography has a marvelous title that comes from Seamus Heaney, That Further Shore, Memoir of Irish Roots and American Promise. And so it is my honor now to introduce to you all for a conversation with me, John Furyk. Thank you very much, Father. Uh, John, I must say, uh, when I was asked to, uh, to read uh, your autobiography, uh, I, I accepted not the challenge, but the gift of the opportunity very eagerly. But I have to tell you at the outset, I wondered how would this man, who has spent a lifetime uh, in service, doing extraordinary things, but always being a man of great humility, how is he going to write an autobiography which will give us all a sense of who he is and what he has done? And in the book, I have to say, John, you are yourself. That is to say, you tell a wonderful story, but you always point to other people. You rarely, if ever, allow yourself to be center stage here. So I say that at the outset, and, and my cousin, who did the introduction, said something similar. You know, this is a man who has really spent his life doing good, but quietly and unobtrusively. So I'm glad that the autobiography is out, but I'm also glad I have the opportunity to tease a few things out, if you don't mind. Thank you. Uh, John, I'm going to start at your beginnings, which are beginnings that uh, actually predate your birth. You go into a great deal of detail in the early part of your autobiography, a great deal of detail about your Irish roots in County Mayo, God help us. Uh, and uh, your, your great love for your mother and your father. Could I ask you, uh, how, how deeply did the Irish nature of your family and your upbringing influence you in those key formative years in grammar school and high school down in Melrose, especially in St. Angela's Parish. How did all of that play itself out in your life? It plays itself out in probably a lot of ways. Um, uh, love, love of family, uh, love, uh, love of, uh, of uh, doing good to the extent you can uh, beyond your family, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, as I as I think back on my uh, youth, uh, there was uh, so much happiness in in the home. Uh, even though my father was away during most of the war years, there was music in the home. There was uh, a constant to us that we had a family in Ireland. Uh, my parents were never to uh, uh, see their parents, although my mother's uh, father died when she was six. And, uh, and we were conscious of uh, my mother sending uh, uh, clothes and other uh, items uh, to her family in Ireland. And, but uh, uh, Irish, my mother sang. 
she danced. My father played the uh, uh, concertina, or I called it accordion in those years. Mm -hmm. And uh, and, the, and their friends came over, and there was a, a joy in the, in the home. And uh, and I and there were there were pictures up on the wall. Uh, there was one uh, of of, uh, of somebody uh, uh, wanting to go home, and uh, I always thought uh, uh, that reflected as a young kid. Uh, uh, my mother uh, thinking of a family in Ireland, and and uh, and my father thinking of family in Ireland. So my Irish roots really were all over me. John, I have to say there are there are sections uh, in the early part of the book where you talk about life in Melrose, which had me rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> and I'm and the reason is it was so similar to the experience that my family had. Uh, Mom and Dad, you know. Uh, playing their roles very, very well. Uh, your mother being the playful disciplinarian uh, is the, the sense that I got. And your dad, you know, watching over everything um, and more bluff than anything else, more love than, than, than anything else. It was a home in which love was really the language spoken and the atmosphere that, that, that prevailed. But there was also in your recounting of your time in Melrose, and, and as you know, my grandmother and grandfather lived right down the street from you in what we always refer to as the court, that big apartment complex owned by the Redemptorists. Uh, and as was the case uh, with your parents, my parents were also, uh, my, my parents were, were married in St. Angelo's Parish. But John, in those early years, there seems to have been a great love, but deep faith uh, that you, uh, you picked up and you, you made your own. Um, and, you know, you talk about the Ursuline sisters, you talk about Dubois uh, with the diocesan priests and the Marish brothers, you talk about that strange moment where you had to decide, yeah, am I going to take the offer from Dubois, am I going to go and take the exam for Hayes, and, and you, you threw your lot in with Dubois. But through it all, there is this, this marvelous uh, presence of, of deep faith, um, and it seems to have come naturally from your you know, the, the home environment. Am I misreading or is that the case? Well, it's certainly by environment. Uh, in, in the home, uh, uh, we set up our, our prayers at night. We kneeled down. Uh, and, uh, and there was uh, uh, expressions of our faith on, on the wall. And, uh, and right around the corner, uh, we, we, I'm, I'm, I'm growing up on 305 East 161st Street, walk up to Mars Avenue around the corner, have St. Anne's of Maurice uh, Parish and Church, and uh, and it was constant uh, 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 reminder of uh, uh, our, our faith as uh, as Catholics, uh, uh, going to confession on a very regular basis, uh, uh, and uh, it was it was it was everywhere, and 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 my parents expressed the faith, and uh, and uh, and my education, as I say, as you point out, was with the Ursuline Sisters. And I became an altar boy at uh, St. Isabel Mar uh, uh, Marisi Parish. Uh, and uh, so uh, I was surrounded, uh, you might say, uh, uh, by uh, a reminder of who I was uh, as, a, as a boy and, uh, and as a member of the Catholic faith. John, from the, you, you make reference at one point in your description of your, your, your own life and your own way of proceeding 
you say, in, and this is where, you know, the marvelous self-deprecation of John Furyk that we're all familiar with comes in. You said, I was a person uh, without much focus. And therefore, uh, early on, I began not to, uh, to have the ability to say no, which has resulted in my uh, being such a volunteer. When someone comes to me uh, and asks for help, I can't really refuse. This seems to be, John, in, from your earliest years, this has been one of the great uh, distinguishing characteristics of your life. And I would say with all those who revere you, and the number, the number is legion, from you know, people that would be uh, considered great in this world to people that the world wouldn't even look at. Everyone looks to you for help and everyone looks to you for advice. Uh, John, you've never been able to escape this, this openness to service. How do you explain that, this, this great openness to service that you have shown throughout your life? You know, and in, in, in the course of doing the, uh, the book, and I, uh, I, and I look, look back, uh, uh, I guess there's a word that describes it a lot, and that is restlessness. It was uh, a, a restlessness on my part. Uh, I did all kinds of part-time jobs uh, from the earliest, uh, shoveling snow, delivering uh, groceries, uh, making Italian uh, sandwiches, uh, uh, you know, delivering newspapers, and... Uh, and it was a way to uh, uh, make a few dollars, tips, uh, or, or get some candy bars from Mo uh, when you deliver the papers on Sunday. <laughs> so uh, opportunities flowed uh, for young children to do things and uh, and and to receive uh, uh, some recognition because of people uh, and and tips you received. I did that right through uh, high school, uh, right through college. Uh, so I was uh, uh, I was used to doing a lot of things and uh, and uh, and enjoying what I did and uh, and so when I uh, uh, entered uh, Fordham Law School uh, I continued to work in a supermarket for my first uh, first year of summer and I worked in a law firm in the afternoons and first year day student and uh, mm -hmm. so I just carried that uh, uh, that variety and diversity. Uh, and there was nothing I, I, I did that I can recall now that uh, I didn't enjoy doing. So that's what I brought to uh, the professional law. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. Father Joseph McShane, the Fordham University president, is stepping in as host today for a frank and fun conversation with John D. Furick. The professor of law at Fordham Law School discusses his latest book, That Further Shore, a memoir of Irish roots and American promise. You know, John, uh, just as an aside, I have to say, the other thing that I picked up in the book is, uh, here you are, an immensely successful man in the world of law, in the world of academic administration, uh, in the world of government and politics, immensely successful. But at every turn uh, in the book, you always seem to be a little surprised that you're successful, you know, landing the job at Scadden, which there was a small firm when you started and then it grew. Then the, uh, the way in which you were received um, and the way that you were sought out by governors and by uh, justices, you, at every turn, you seem surprised. Nobody else is surprised because of who you are. You, you in many ways, and I say this on behalf of everyone who knows you, you define goodness, you really do, uh, and selflessness. And you're also a wise, wise man. 
So I, I just want to reflect on, uh, just say that because it is, uh, John, you're so loved uh, that it has to be said, and I don't know uh, if you'll even accept it when it is said. Uh, I know you're Irish and I'm Irish, and therefore we, uh, we turn away from those things. But John, I want to, you opened the door, you said Fordham, that magic word for you and me. Uh, what was your experience like as a student at Fordham College and a student in law school? And what was, you mentioned a few of them in the book. What was the impact that your Jesuit uh, mentors had on you in a particular way? Uh, as I entered Fordham College, I, uh, uh, I, uh, my existence really, uh, even though I went over to Dubois in Manhattan by, mm -hmm. by uh, a bus or, or a trolley, uh, my, my life was 161st Street and 162nd Street and up, up to the Grand Concourse and Yankee Stadium. And then uh, uh, and, and it, it was like that was my village. It was a very, very small village, uh, empty lots to play in <clears throat> 162nd Street where Tom had his apartment or your, 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 your first cousin had uh, his apartment, uh, mm -hmm. the roller skate, we used to play stick ball, we used to play stump ball. That was my world. And, uh, and when I went to Fordham College, uh, uh, it, was, it was a totally new world uh, of, uh, of priests and uh, lay teachers uh, who, who uh, uh, cared deeply for their students. Uh, and there was a, a, a sense of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of of a class and of a school that we were part of. Uh, we loved our, 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 our sport teams. Uh, I got inv involved in the booster club by my late uh, classmate, Bob Bradley. <clears throat> and uh, we used to go out to New Jersey, watch the basketball team play. And, uh, and so there was a larger world that, 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 that opened to me at, uh, at Fordham College. And I think I say somewhere in the book, uh, uh, of all my school days, that was my most peaceful uh, period of time where I, I saw things I never saw before. The Constitution of the United States, for example. I had the fabulous teachers. Uh, uh, and my faith was, uh, was developed. With, uh, we took 24 credits of philosophy and, uh, and theology. I had theology and philosophy in every year. And so it was a constant uh, uh, nourishment of what I grew up with in, in the home of my, my faith, but now at a, at a different level. Uh, so uh, what was it like? Uh, uh, I met lifelong friends uh, like Joe Hart, uh, whose burial I was at. I was asked by a Jesuit priest at the, uh, at the cemetery. Uh, he looked to me to say something. And I, I, I said it at Fordham College, I met uh, such wonderful classmates and some remain lifelong friends of mine. And so, uh, so what, uh, and, and, and the values, the values of uh, my faith, the values of, uh, of service uh, came home in a bang for me at Fordham College. I was asked to be a class representative in my second year, then vice president of my class in my third year, and vice president of student body in my last year. So the notion of uh, serving, uh, others uh, came home in a big way because of the opportunities that came to me. And, uh, and, and, and none of us were looking for another position. We had an opportunity in the present position to do all you could uh, for your class or the school. It was wonderful. That's what, uh, and I, I described this 
uh, in, in the first one-third or one-fourth of my book, uh, how much Fordham College and then Fordham Law School. Fordham Law School was different. Uh, it was uh, uh, buckling down in terms of rigor, uh, and certainly in first-year law school. We, we loved our teachers, uh, and, uh, and, and most of us worked part-time after classes, I, I think. And, uh, and uh, because of Fordham College, I had uh, developed a, uh, a, you might say, uh, an academic record I didn't have in high school, I didn't have in grammar school. Uh, but all of a sudden, uh, I seemed to come alive with some, uh, at Fordham College academically. And, uh, and that continued right into the law school. I remember going back to the college, writing papers on separation of powers. And that paper I used for testimony I gave to Congress. Uh, uh, as to why the 25th Amendment should, should be adopted. I talked about separation of powers. And I was introduced to that subject at Fordham College and uh, in, in my government courses. And I had uh, Father McKenna. Uh, he was a teacher in three or four classes. He eventually, as you know, went to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So I had lay teachers and, and, uh, and uh, uh, members of the Society of Jesus who educated me, not only in the basic first or second year of the curriculum, but also in the third and fourth year. So uh, I, am, uh, I am what I am, uh, thanks to uh, uh, my parents. And, and thanks to all of those who were my teachers and role models and mentors in so many different ways. John, you, uh, you, know, you went from the law school to Skadden, but even as a very young man, you really uh, you played a major role uh, in constitutional law with the, the 25th Amendment. Uh, and you became overnight uh, a force, an intellectual force and a, uh, a legal force to be, if not reckoned with, always considered. And even, you know, I know in the last few years, you know, you've worn that mantle with dignity and with restraint. But you do know that, you know, you really are, you know, an extraordinarily important figure in American jurisprudence and in American political life as a result of that. You do know that, I hope. Well, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't feel that. I, I don't, I, I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm surprised at time when the library at the law school tells me that my the book I wrote on the 25th Amendment and also uh, the earlier book uh, uh, on presidential succession uh, are the basic source books on, on that subject today. And that's largely because uh, I had the opportunity as a very young lawyer, having written an article on, on the subject of presidential inability uh, when President Kennedy died, it was the, the most recent article on the subject published in the Fordham Law Review. And I had sent reprints hoping mm -hmm. to, uh, before the assassination, hoping to interest people in solving a problem that, that, that I had learned about. And, uh, and I would never have thought that uh, that, that, that article would have uh, led to my involvement uh, with a group of um, uh, former attorney generals and very dis distinguished lawyers in crafting an amendment to the United States Constitution, it was just, and 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 I and and I, and I had no no sense as I was working on it that uh, this is something that's going to be in the United States Constitution. I didn't. Uh, you, you were hoping you were doing everything you can to uh, uh, persuade uh, uh, Congress and others about it, but uh, it, I, I was just working away and uh, and hoping, but you know not not, uh, uh, you know, not expecting all of a sudden that this was going to go in the Constitution because it's been working on the problem for 100 years. Mm -hmm. 
but it got solved at that time because of the assassination of a president, uh, great leaders in Congress of both parties, mm -hmm. Congress worked together, and they allowed uh, a number of us, including myself, an opportunity to make suggestions and, uh, and contribute uh, even language that's in the Constitution today. An extraordinary achievement. Uh, and yet, again, John, you, you, you characteristically throw the spotlight on others, but it is an, a great gift to the country, you know, that you, with that fine mind, you know, that you developed at St. Angela's and then at Dubois and then at Fordham College and at law school, uh, that you developed and honed to a high, a high degree. Uh, and everyone is in your debt, not just Fordham, uh, but the whole country is in your debt. John, I want to I want to go to a conversation that you had, if you don't mind my doing this, with Father Finley, oh, yeah. in 1982, where a, a was common man, born and raised in Manhattan, approached a Mayo uh, descendant <laughs> uh, in the Bronx and placed before you uh, what he later told me was uh, the the boldest thing he had ever done but also the cleverest thing he had ever done. Uh, he told me about the conversation he had with you about giving up a career in Scadden and becoming the dean of the law school. Do you remember that? Well, I, I can never forget that. And, uh, and uh, he was, uh, uh, tears from my eyes thinking about it. He was uh, just a lovely Jesuit who, uh, uh, I had met when he was teaching political science. Uh, he asked me to do a class, I think even before the 25th Amendment, uh, I was in the Constitution on the subject of presidential inability. My wife was with me. And, and then years later, he asked me to go on the Board of Trustees. And, uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, he was such a, uh, an important part of my life. Uh, I thought the world of him uh, and... Uh, and, and, and then I, I received a call after the dean had announced he's leaving, Dean McLaughlin, uh, for whom I was president of the alumni for a number of years. And, uh, and he had a, a major influence on my life, Dean McLaughlin. Uh, and, uh, and, and we sat down at the university club and uh, several graduates of, of uh, I guess, the law school uh, who knew me and knew him, of course, uh, came by and said, we know what you're talking about. And, <laughs> and, and what, what it was, was he asked me if I would consider uh, uh, putting my name in for the deanship of the school. And uh, in, in, in words and, and substance, he said to me how important the law school was to the Society of Jesus. And, uh, and would I consider uh, coming over and helping develop a, a, a vision for the future of the law school? And, 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 uh, and, I, and, and that was so empowering to me that, uh, uh, and particularly because I had the experience with Dean McLaughlin of being uh, involved in the life of the law school. And then as a trustee from 1978 uh, until that conversation a few years later with Father Finley, and all of a sudden, it, uh, it took me a while to process it because um, um, I, I was a senior partner at, at, at Skadden Arbs. I was chair of, it, of its hiring committee of lawyers and on its executive committee and, and that. And, and I, I said to myself, well, if you leave, uh, uh, you're not going to return to this. And, uh, and at the same time, there was something within me that said, uh, uh, this is your time uh, to embrace full time 
not part-time, everything I did was part-time, an opportunity to uh, render service uh, and uh, a, 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 a service uh, that, that uh, went beyond anything uh, I had done in my life. And, uh, and, uh, and my father was uh, shocked, uh, I would say, uh, uh, you know, by my decision from an economic standpoint. My mother was beginning to decline and lose her memory at that point. And uh, I don't know that she uh, quite absorbed what was happening. My wife was very quiet, but I had a sense of in her quietness. She was hoping I would make that decision, believing that uh, I think in part that uh, I would have more time uh, for her and uh, and our six children. And uh, and so I, I, I had the, uh, the date of the deadline for your application was something like September 9. Uh, the committee was chaired by Professor Joseph Sweeney, who's now at uh, Mary Manning Walsh. And, uh, and I talked to him every other week. And uh, I said, I would like to put my name in for the deanship. And it went up to Father uh, 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 Fenley. And on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I remember coming home from Mass and Emily saying to me, Father Finley called you. And I said, uh-oh, and, uh, and it to offer me the deanship. And, uh, and then uh, it just had such a, a profound uh, impact on me for the rest of my life and up to the present time. And, and, and in fact, uh, uh, at yesterday's burial service in Boston of my longest uh, friend, Joseph Hart, uh, priest in his few words uh, said that I understood that uh, uh, there's, there's with us today a, a, a friend uh, uh, who uh, was dean of Fordham Law School and, uh, and, uh, and, and he and Joe had this special relationship. So even as a former dean, you have a, 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 an acknowledgement, I suppose, of, of one's service as dean. And Father, you've been extraordinarily generous and Put it on me at times the label of Dean Emeritus and uh, and it's a great part of my life. Uh, you know, nothing like it. John, I should tell you that that uh, Seamus, Father Finley, when he recounted the story, told me that he uh, he chose to call you on December the 8th, oh. knowing that you'd be coming home from Mass <laughs> and therefore you'd be most vulnerable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you accepted on the spot and it made his life much easier, much happier. And he was, and you and I know this, he was a perfect gentleman uh, and, a, and a very fine priest and, a, and an exemplary Jesuit. And uh, he would say that, uh, you know, his, his getting you to be the dean of the law school was the crowning achievement, you yeah. know, of his presidency. And all of us would agree. And John, you, you took the law school from where it was, which was a strong law school. My father always told me that, you know my dad, you know my dad, you know my brother. But you took it from what was seen as a good city meat and potatoes law school, and you made it a force. You brought it up uh, to new levels. You hired boldly and wisely and well. Uh, you encouraged people <coughs> in their teaching and in their research, and you defined the culture in a new way. It was during your time that the law school adopted a very clear uh, motto and mission. Uh, you were the man who told Fordham lawyers that they were to be in service of others, no matter what else they did. And as you and I know, that is uh, that is the mantra that is uh, now deep in the hearts 
of everyone in the law school, anyone who's ever gone to the law school. And uh, from the moment they enter, this is what they are challenged to be. Not just good practitioners, although you're insistent on that, I want good practitioners and I'm gonna give you the faculty that's gonna make good practitioners. But life is not complete, you would say, mm -hmm. unless it is adorned with service. Uh, so, and, and then, you know, time and time again, governors uh, turn to you. I don't know how many times you were a special master. Uh, I know that you had three commissions all aimed at uh, the ethical life of not only you know the profession but the state uh, so you became for everybody the go-to guy the honest man the honest broker who uh, could be trusted with the most extraordinary things the most uh, difficult problems that uh, the city the state the profession could face and you did these things you took them on and you, you brought them to completion uh, successfully, and you've had an impact well beyond the law school. Uh, I think uh, this, is, this is a great part of, of your, your life, but it's a great part of your legacy. And I know from, from all the conversations we've had, and by reading, and from reading your, your autobiography, that uh, this is important to you, that someone uh, you know, to go back to your philosophy, the inner man and the outer man has to be one. And so let the inner man be generous and the outer man will show it. Am I misconstruing uh, what it is that you've been doing all these years to yeah. such effect and so humbly? Uh, there's so much you've just said, Father. And and, uh, and uh, I guess I would just uh, um, say, uh, as, as to the law school, my years as the dean of the law school, uh, uh, I, I, the best I, I, I did was to uh, develop uh, a, uh, an approach to uh, 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 governing, it might be said, uh, that uh, uh, was consensual in nature. Uh, listening, to, listening to faculty, uh, listening to administrators, listening to the alumni, and, uh, and, uh, and hearing uh, uh, so many ideas and suggestions, and, uh, and certainly the faculty of the school, uh, uh, in their respective areas, wanted to grow, and uh, and being in the position of, uh, of uh, as dean of the law school, uh, I was able to uh, support and encourage uh, uh, every so many different people whose ideas it was not not my ideas coming flowing down, but uh, ideas uh, in listening to people and uh, and and the, the transformation as it might be described, uh, of the law school over a long uh, two decades of the, of the last century uh, is really a tribute to uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds of uh, people who served the law school full time and the alumni of the school who supported uh, time and again all of those initiatives. And I was, uh, uh, as I said uh, in, in, in the book at some point, uh, I was uh, a lucky person to, uh, to be in in a place where I could be part of it. Uh, as to, as to uh, all the uh, commissions, uh, uh, how, I, uh, how, I dis how I dislike doing that kind of work. I, 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 was, I, I didn't grow up as a prosecutor in, 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 in law enforcement as such. Uh, and, uh, 
and uh, and uh, and I learned that you got to take the hits when they come, uh, criticisms when they come, and uh, at times uh, uh, affirmation about the uh, uh, work that's been done. And uh, and 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 I kept seeing uh, the words of Saint Ignatius: uh, uh, do the, get out there and do the work, and don't be looking for credit, uh, but just do what uh, what's what's right and what's good as you see it. And uh, and I held that, you know, as I as I as I deal dealt with uh, uh, low moments, uh, high moments. Uh, uh, I was constantly reminded of the, those values, uh, and, and that's really what I aspired to uh, uh, express is in whatever way I could in, in doing all of that work. Um, and, uh, and, and, I, and I, 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 I followed the, uh, uh, the work of Robert Mueller in, in uh, uh, Washington, and uh, I, I saw a, in him uh, a person who uh, had had a life of devotion to uh, uh, law enforcement, the FBI as a U.S. attorney, and Judge Patel of Fordham Law School, used to, who knew him very well when she was the chief judge out in San Francisco District Court. She used to describe him to me as as a, a model, and uh, and 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 when he ran into those difficult moments of being criticized or people uh, upset with the investigation, uh, and and in the afterwards. Uh, I, I I understood uh, uh, what he was must be feeling. I think uh, because uh, in a, a smaller way, in a different way, uh, I experienced uh, uh, similar kind of uh, uh, situations along the way of chairing those uh, state commissions. And uh, but looking back, I have uh, no regrets. I, I I did my best and. Uh, and I uh, believe that uh, some of the work of the commissions that involved a lot of commissioners and a lot of people uh, has, uh, has improved uh, 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 the ethical climate in New York State to, to some extent. Uh, there's no doubt about that, John. Our time, sadly, is gonna come to an end. I'm gonna, I have two questions for you that remain. I'm gonna ask the most difficult question uh, of someone like yourself, of you, because you don't even know how to spell the word pride or the word proud. But John, what is it that you're most proud of as you look back on what could only be described as a storied career, a stellar life? What are you most proud of? Uh, I would say the, uh, um, maybe three things if I could um, have a multifaceted answer. Um, uh, certainly, uh, uh, coming involved in the uh, cause of uh, an amendment to the Constitution to uh, uh, um, uh, deal with the uh, problems of presidential uh, inability and vice presidential vacancy. Uh, 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 at the time, I, 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 you know, I was on the ground. I didn't uh, realize. Uh, uh, what it was all about in, in, in another sense uh, as a young person. But I look back, that's certainly uh, one of those moments. Another moment was uh, uh, when I became a dean of the law school and, uh, and the law school uh, had an aspiration of uh, doubling the space basically uh, at, uh, at 140 uh, West 62nd Street. And, uh, and, and there were those uh, uh, like Brother Kenny, 
and uh, uh, Jesuit brother Kenny and others have said that there's no way you're going to raise the money. Uh, you being the law school is going to raise the money to cover the cost of that uh, that doubling. And 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 I took that as a challenge and uh, and. Uh, and uh, and got the alumni involved and uh, and a lot of people involved and uh, ultimately uh, uh, we made it happen and, and Father uh, O'Hare came along uh, and uh, and was very supportive of uh, of uh, us in, in the financial area where I think we had a debt of uh, two million dollars or so to the university when it was when the costs were all in and and. Uh, uh, and I remember a meeting of faculty with uh, Father uh, O'Hare and others, and I, I said, Father, based on the contributions, uh, so to speak, that we've made, uh, uh, is there any chance we, I, I can get that debt off the law school? And he said, that's a good idea, we'll do it. And, but, but it was that project, the, uh, the doubling of the size of, of the law school, that uh, certainly was uh, a high point for me. I think it gave me credibility uh, because uh, a lot of people thought it couldn't be done, that Dublin wouldn't happen, but the whole community came together and, and my job was to go all over the place trying to seek uh, uh, support for it. And, and then the third uh, part of my answer is uh, I'm constantly reminded of all those young people uh, that I came to know when I was dean of the law school. And uh, and my door was always open. Anybody wanted to come uh, and, and needed help, uh, my door was always open for them. Uh, and there were students that came in and cried because they couldn't find a job, or they came in because uh, they couldn't afford uh, uh, tuition at the law school. And uh, thanks to the uh, caring community that I was a part of, uh, we were able to respond uh, and, and able to help. Uh, and, uh, and if I put all of those individual uh, meetings and opportunities together, that would constitute the, 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 the third thing that I'm uh, uh, proud of. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't use the word proud. I don't feel comfortable with the word proud. Uh, I'm just glad that I had the opportunity to be there in time for another person. John, I acknowledge at the outset it was going to be the most difficult question because pride doesn't figure in the way in which you live your life. Um, but I, I'm not going to give you the last question. I'm going to say two things, though, if I could. I think that your letter to your grandchildren, which is at the end of the book, should be uh, required reading for any grandchild of anyone. It's filled with, uh, I would say, balance and wisdom and great love. So. It's kind of like the exclamation point at the end of the book, and I want to thank you for that. John, my last word to you is this, and we're going to have to stop because the time has run out, and I, I could go on with you for, for days, not just hours. I could go on for days with you. John, I know that I speak for every moment when I say this. John, for all of us who know you, uh, we are immensely grateful for your presence in our lives. We're grateful for your wisdom, the constancy of your devotion, and uh, the fact that to, to know you is to be ennobled. And you have to know that. Father, I, um, if I could just bring it to a close. If, uh, uh, I appreciate greatly what you just said. 
but I'm a small part of, uh, of a university that has enjoyed great presidents, and you are truly a great president. And your predecessor, Father O'Hare, was a great president. And, uh, and Father Finley was a great president. And when I was a student, I so admired Father McGinley. He used to walk around the campus with the, saying his prayers. And he kept, when he was no longer the president, he came to a lot of uh, alumni gatherings and we always found each other and spoke. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm a small part uh, of, of, of an institution that has truly giants and great priests who serve humanity uh, far more than what the, the, the kind of things that I've done. Uh, their reach is so uh, so majestic, and and I thank you, Father, uh, for your presidency of Fordham University at a very difficult time. As I said to you in an email I sent to you, your 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 masses, your your readings, your reflections have been empowering for all of us who are, are, are trying to get meaning in in the present moment, and and you've helped us, and I thank you. John, thank you very much. Uh, you don't know how much that means to me to hear you say that about Seamus and about Larry, about Joe. Uh, I am not worthy to be in the same sentence with any of them, but I want to go back and have the last word. John, you're for us a source of enormous pride because you live with such integrity and you, you ennoble everyone that you meet. And with that, John, thank you very, very much. Thank you. My thanks to Father Joseph McShane, author John D. Fierick, and Fordham professor John Rogan. Join us again next week for Fordham Conversations on WFUV.